Welcome to Federal Insights, Zero Trust from Theory to Reality, sponsored by Akamai. Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guest today is Randy Wood, Vice President, U.S. Public Sector Sales, Akamai. Randy, how are you? Good, good, John. Thanks. Now, I'd like to have a little discussion here about federal IT, and I'll just go right into the topic here. Uh, In moving to the cloud, where should federal information technology leaders place their efforts? What do you think? Well, so uh, obviously the cloud movement is upon us, and there's, uh, there's lots to think about. Uh, the, for me, the thing that comes to mind first um, in this migration to the cloud is the, is the idea of confidence, right? We can't do anything at scale repeatedly until we can establish some level of confidence in the experience, the application experience that agency users aspire to have. And so for, for us, confidence and experience is really kind of based on three things, being fast, being intelligent, and being secure. And, uh, and agencies need to ensure that level of experience, uh, that level of confidence uh, before they begin their cloud migration sort of at scale. So everyone has a limited budget, we know that. Should you put big parts of your budget into identity management, software development lifecycle, focusing on apps? Where do you, where do you emphasize? Yeah, so I, I think the, the, the big bang for the buck, the, sort of the, the table stakes investment, if we're talking about confidence and experience as, as a uh, you know, table stakes for this movement to the cloud, is in identity-based uh, application authentication, right? It's all about the user, it's about the user's identity, and it's about the application. It's about access to that application independent of time and space and the device in front of you. So the, the best way to, to generate confidence and the best experience is to provide an elegant application experience where security doesn't get in the way of the application and the experience is made better by it being secure, not one without the other. And that's the dilemma for most software developers, is in order to improve user experience, the trifecta of intelligent, fast, and secure, you can have two, but not three, or you can have one, but not two. So this is a tough balance, isn't it? For sure. So when it comes to software development, how does weak cybersecurity confidence impact technical debt accumulation? Yeah, so let's, let's be clear about uh, technical debt accumulation. Uh, that's really uh, the continuation of maybe current non-modern application development practices and sustaining applications. So, it, uh, one implication, maybe the unintended consequence of uh, not providing the best experience and the best level of confidence as we migrate to the to the cloud is the inability for these applications to keep up to be cloud sort of web enabled. So if I can't gener- if I can't ensure the best confidence, the best experience, uh, my investment in modern IT application development practice sort of lags behind, and I'm I'm stuck with sustaining and developing the same old applications and not providing a next generation application experience. So it is, it becomes an implication of not getting the confidence in the experience aspect of cloud migration, application access correct the first time. So it's a completely different animal developing apps or uh, provisioning apps for uh, on-premise versus going to the cloud. Different world completely, I assume. Different world completely. Now, what stands out, the, the, the common theme is, you know, back to experience and confidence, it's, it's uh, the identity aspect of, um, of application as- access, right? And so increasingly, in, in, in the zero trust world, the idea is let's not bring users into our networks like we typically do. Instead, let's give them application, least privileged access to applications on a user-by-user basis, where identity becomes sort of the, the underpinning to that experience. If you go on Google and search for what the government pays for information technology, you get this big, huge number. 
and a lot of it is for sustaining existing hardware. Right. So um, if you take a look at that, that purchase every year, how, how does that, how does optimizing networks fit into that purchase? Yeah, so, so let's all agree that this sort of cloud-first approach movement is, is the right way to do things, right? This is, this is good, sensible business practice. And if done correctly, you can really enable uh, um, incredible business value, again, back to confidence and experience. And I think one consequence or outcome of that is you can begin to decommission, uh, minimize the sustainment of these very hardware-intensive security stack. So you drive better business value, you offload what's maybe not a core competency, that is cloud management application support, to, to a cloud, to an intelligent cloud platform, and increasingly minimize your dependency on these traditional hardware-heavy, hardware-centric security stacks. So what you're doing is you're taking the cybersecurity and, and optimizing it for the network, not necessarily for the system, but for the entire network. That's exactly right. So um, tell us more about Akamai and this, this whole idea of assuring that we have safe transition within the network itself. Is it a focus on the apps or the security itself? or And how does it impact speed? Yeah, so it's, again, you know, the, the experience at Akamai is based on three things. It's fast, it's intelligent, and it's secure. It's not one without the other. And so uh, a little bit about Akamai in terms of our core competency with, with respect to, to cybersecurity, uh, we believe there's a better way. We believe there's a better way than how it's traditionally been done. Uh, we take a very platform-centric approach to enabling fast, intelligent, secure cybersecurity experiences. Uh, this is a platform that's mature and it's highly evolved. It's the sort of core competency of what we've done for 20 years. And we layer in uh, a level of security, security expertise and sort of bona fides to provide an application experience in ways that I've, that I've described. It kind of boils down to one word, and the word is trust. trust. <laughs> and this is a word that's bandied about all the time. Ever since Ron Reagan, he talked about trust, but verify. So does Akamai provide that trust concept for our listeners, our viewers? Yeah, so you know, it's a great question. You know, trust but verify, John, is, um, is sort of an old way of thinking, right? In, in some circles, it's no less important, but in the business of cybersecurity, it maybe is um, it's everything that's wrong with the way we approach cybersecurity today. Uh, the idea is that uh, location is not an attribute of trust, right? And typically, uh, traditionally, we've thought about cybersecurity in a perimeter-based sort of way. That is, we've got core distribution and access. I spent 13 years at Cisco. We sold core distribution and access. And what we've, what we've learned, and I think what the industry agrees on, is that's the wrong way to go about it, right? Let's provide instead least privileged access on a user-by-user -user basis to the applications that they require where identity is centerpiece to that application experience. So no longer am I going to bring you into my perimeter and trust and then verify through some authentication. I'm not going to bring you there at all. I'm going to work to decommission VPNs and I'm going to give you access on an application-by-application -application basis. From, from an Akamai perspective, that's using a platform identity-aware centric approach. My guest today is Randy Wood, Vice President, U.S. Public Sector Sales, Akamai. I'm your moderator, John Gilroy, on the discussion, Zero Trust, From Theory to Reality, sponsored by Akamai on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. The network perimeter has traditionally defined the boundaries of security, but today, agencies need protection wherever applications, data, users, and devices are, both on and off network. Agencies should be doubling down with a zero trust approach to security. This is Randy Wood, Vice President, U.S. Public Sector for Akamai. Akamai is a leader in mitigating malware, bot, and DDoS attacks and is trusted by all branches of the military and 14 cabinet-level agencies. Learn more at akamai.com slash zero trust. That's A-K-A-M-A-I. 
Welcome back to the discussion Zero Trust from Theory to Reality, sponsored by Akamai on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. My guest today is Randy Wood, Vice President, U.S. Public Sector Sales Akamai. I'm your moderator, John Gilroy. We talked earlier about trust and um, uh, trust on cybersecurity networks. It seems like the trust is going away from the hardware and the firewalls into the humans themselves. Can we say that the, the person is the perimeter these days? I, I think that's entirely accurate. I think that's the reality of, of uh, uh, today's uh, cyber world um, and the expectations that, especially in the federal government, increasingly that uh, federal workers have uh, in terms of how they do their job. Here's the idea. I'll probably say this more than once. Uh, work is what we do, not where we go. And um, independent of time and space, and again, whatever is in front of me, I aspire to have the same consistent high-performance application experience. And so the perimeter could be anywhere. It could be my applications on-prem, it could be in the cloud, it could be in GovCloud, it could be a combination of as-a-service applications of Concur, Salesforce, Workday, for example, that I consume from some other place. But one thing remains the same and consistent, and that's the experience, the secure experience that I aspire to have. Speaking of that experience, these attacks uh, don't come from Monday through Friday from 9 to 5. These are random, and these are frequently targeted. So uh, can a system really be designed to protect these types of random high-speed attacks? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think you can solve every attack, right? You just, you just can't. But I think we can, uh, we can drive demonstrable improvements in our cybersecurity posture, given the threats that we, that we know and we can anticipate. And I'll go back to what I said, it's the expectation of today's workforce to be able to work independent of time and space and, and, and do their job by having this application experience. And so, uh, you know, one, one way to enable that is to provide identity-aware, identity-based application-by-application access on a least privileged basis. And so uh, that alone helps thwart a lot of attacks and minimize that, that attack threat surface. You know, when you drive by McDonald's, it says billions and billions sold, doesn't it? And when you look at malicious login attempts, you can also put billions and billions on that too. And so no matter how strong your network system is, it gets attacked so constantly, they're gonna get through sooner or later, I would think. Yeah, I think sooner or later, again, I don't think you can plan and solve for every attack scenario. It's just, you know, the, the brute force, uh, what we know about uh, you know, cyber criminals and, and, and cyber hackers is um, they're creative, uh, they're committed, um, you know, they have, to be, they have to be right just once, we have to be right every time, and so the, the stakes are high. The stakes in, in federal agencies, federal government, are, are you know, even higher, and so when we talk about zero trust, John, we're talking about, you know, one aspect. Cybersecurity is a multi-dimensional sort of uh, thing, and so zero trust gives us um, solutions, real solutions, in one dimension, one aspect of cybersecurity today, again, um, as we see it from Akamai and what we sort of describe as a north-south connection, user-to-application connection, uh, and one implication is well, it's the elimination of VPNs, a VPN connection. No longer do I need to bring you behind my firewall into my perimeter. Instead, I can give you access to all these applications, again, on this identity-based sort of approach. So if a federal IT professional understands this concept of zero trust on a network, it's one thing to understand, another thing to apply it. And what you're saying is that your company can help federal leaders apply this concept of zero trust. Yeah, that's exactly where we are today. In fact, I think in, in, in 2019, this is the year where zero trust becomes, becomes a reality. We've talked about it for a long time. I was at RSA last week, and 
uh, if there's 10 vendors at RSA 9, we're talking about zero trust. And so uh, it maybe it means a little something different to, to different people you ask, and, and rightfully so. And I think there's different approaches to, to enabling zero trust. From us, it's a, it's a platform-based approach. It's leveraging uh, a high-performance Akamai platform to uh, provide a better, more secure, high-performance, intelligent application experience. So you go from this theory of zero trust to applied zero trust. Let's take the Marines. They made a transition recently, and the first step in the transitions was just to find out what was on the network, find out what the endpoints, and they were as surprised as anyone to find out what was there, weren't they? I mean, we didn't know, or they didn't know, they had all these endpoints to protect. That's right, so you're picking on the Marines, right? <laughs> John, John knows I'm a Marine. Uh, but, so the scenario you described is not an, an uncommon scenario. Uh, I spend a lot of time with federal customers on the civilian side, of the defense, even in the state local education market, and uh, my first question is always, uh, what does zero trust mean to you? And it's fascinating the answers we get. And uh, second, how many applications do you have? And in almost every instance, they just don't know. And not and so not only do they not know the number of applications, but the number of devices that are that are connected. Uh, so it's not this is not an, an unusual thing, uh, but it's it's a massive attack surface, right? Uh, the threat we know the threat's there. The attack surface is bigger, and there and there's simply a better way to do it. So if we take a look at networks and understanding what's on a network, if you go to a company like Akamai, who's been doing this for two decades all over the world, they may have a, a better understanding of understanding and comprehending what's on your network. Yeah, well, that's, that's exactly right. Uh, you know, it's a, be, it's a better inventory. Um, it's a better understanding of what uh, the application environment looks like, about what the device environment looks like, and you can make some determinations about security posture, vulnerability relative to whatever threats are, are, uh, are out there or are more likely to, uh, that you're more likely to be exposed to. There are people who are watching this and listening to this and may think of Akamai and think of uh, CDN, Content Delivery Networks, and improving speed across the world. But this is, just, this is just openers. This is just the beginning of the game here, isn't it? Understanding the network can allow you to deploy something like zero trust. Well, that's right. And so that's where we think you know, we have an advantage because we, we have a high-performance, highly evolved, sophisticated platform that, uh, that we've optimized over 20 years, uh, we see a third of the internet's traffic. We're one hop away from just about anywhere you wanna be. And so uh, we think that positions us well, gives us a real advantage in enabling new, secure, fast and intelligent application experiences for customers. So it's a natural step for, for Akamai to leverage its CDN core competency and become a, a real legitimate cybersecurity provider and partner to the federal government. Especially for an organization like the Marine Corps, which can be everywhere and nowhere and changing and moving and, and can't predict where they're gonna be in three months. So you need to have someone who's got experience in just geographic diversity, I would think. Yeah, well, that's, that's right. And so it's back to what, then what is the perimeter? Well, the perimeter is not what it used to right. be. The perimeter is the, 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 the person, in the case of the Marine, uh, it's the rifleman. Hmm, interesting. My guest today is Randy Wood, Vice President, U.S. Public Sector Sales, Akamai. I'm your moderator, John Gilroy, on the discussion, Zero Trust, From Theory to Reality, sponsored by Akamai on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. The network perimeter has traditionally defined the boundaries of security, but today, agencies need protection wherever applications, data, users, and devices are, both on and off network. Agencies should be doubling down with a Zero Trust approach to security. This is Randy Wood, Vice President, U.S. Public Sector for Akamai. Akamai is a leader in mitigating malware, bot, and DDoS attacks and is trusted by all branches of the military, 
and 14 cabinet-level agencies. Learn more at akamai.com slash zero trust. That's A-K-A-M-A-I. Welcome back to the discussion Zero Trust from Theory to Reality, sponsored by Akamai on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. My guest today is Randy Wood, Vice President, U.S. Public Sector Sales at Akamai. I'm your moderator, John Gilroy. We just talked about the Marines and networks and, and the perimeter and how it changes and varies. So in different types of networks like this, how can you assess the architecture of a network effectively? Yeah, so, so uh, to be fair, I, this whole business of zero trust can be overwhelming. And it, it get a lot of inquiry from customers, where do you start? How do you get started here? And a couple things come to mind. You know, the first is, uh, I think it's prudent for agencies to, to perform a vulnerability assessment, right? What, what are the threats? What are the opportunities for phishing and malware and, and other bad, malicious things? And um, in terms of attack vector, what's my vulnerability? And there's lots of ways to do that. And then second, maybe an agency would follow up with uh, what I'd call a zero trust architecture assessment. And a couple things really stand out. The profiling of applications, where are your applications? What's mission critical? Get a sense of that. Uh, the user profile, what are user expectations relative to connectivity on net, off net? Again, back to you know wherever they are, the, the person is the perimeter. And then what you know? What's the device posture? What's the VPN infrastructure look like, for example? And then make some decisions about, uh, hey, easy things to get after in terms of application. Let's take this one application and let's zero trust enable it. Let's let's apply technology that's available today um, in ways that we've described to make that a zero trust ready enabled application. Traditionally, a uh, uh person would architect a network and talk about role-based access control and, and role-based, but today it's more networks and apps. So do you permit access to a network? Do you permit access to an app? How do you, how do you work this whole access question? Yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's turned upside down on its head than what it previously was. Today, uh, from the Akamai view of the world, is we provide access to applications um, only and not to mm. networks. I, I don't want you on my network. I don't need you on my network. And that's true of me at Akamai. I don't even know what the Akamai network looks like. I have application uh, access to applications on an application-by-application application basis uh, where I'm authenticated and given the least amount of privilege and access based on what I need to do with that application. And that is, that is a, an elegant, transparent experience with respect to security, right? The idea of password fatigue, we can overcome those problems and I can have quick access, um, multi-factor authenticated access to applications that I need to do my job. Earlier we talked about the amount of money the federal government spends on uh, infrastructure and on legacy systems. And um, someone may think if you're moving away from a legacy system, that uh, can give you all kinds of problems. And so, so where's this whole concept of moving away from legacy systems and maybe moving away from dated concepts like VPN? How does this fit in this discussion of zero trust? Yeah, so the, again, you know, back to kind of what we talked about in an earlier segment, the, the amount of equipment, security stack equipment that um, is in play today to, to provide a secure VPN application experience is breathtaking. And uh, the investment, ongoing OPEX and CAPEX investment to sustain that is, is significant. And so, you know, we talk about the business value of zero trust in the context of applications and users. And if implemented correctly, and we can do this today, there's a real opportunity to, uh, to decommission and, and up to eliminating that cost, that big hardware support and maintenance tail, and, and, and expose it in a secure cloud-based, platform-based way. What's more, 
uh, the the number of uh, the the challenge of shortage of cybersecurity skilled professionals today, I think, is well known, and that problem only gets worse. We, we, there's just not enough smart cyber and experienced cybersecurity professionals in the workforce today. So by adopting a zero a zero a zero trust approach, we, we really have an opportunity to solve two problems: this this massive hardware footprint problem and the uh, the the shortage of security smart enabled people uh, we require less of because we're consuming from a cloud secure cloud-based platform architecture. You know enterprise architects talk about access and security people talk about stacks <laughs> and so we got stacks and they talk about this layer and that layer because it's part of network talk but also stacks of different tools and everything else and so uh, how can how can our existing security people understand this concept of zero trust? Is it an obstacle for them? Yeah, I think it's a new way of thinking, and rightfully so. It, it's it's you, you got It's almost it's almost new theology, right? <laughs> You're being exposed to a whole new theology. We've always done it this way. Randy. We've always done it this right. way, and rightfully so. And so there's there's no there's no shame there. This is the, the reality of things. The the recognition though is that there's a there's a better way to do it. There's a um, a more efficient, a more elegant, a more cost effective way to do it. Um, and provide a much better outcome, a much better result, a much better experience in, in ways that I've described. You know, the idea of decommissioning a VPN infrastructure and privileged Wi-Fi is, is heresy to some people because this is how we've always done it. Um, but surprisingly, as we talk to more federal and DOD and civilian agencies, those are, those are number two, three, four objectives in their short midterm, midterm architecture plans. I keep thinking about the last 15, 20 years, you'd actually have a hard drive and you'd have a firewall protecting it, and the firewalls sometimes are hardware as well. What's happened in the last 15 years, it's all become software-defined. So now we have a network that can become software-defined, and so it allows you to dynamically allow access and enable zero trust, where years ago with that hardware limitation, you couldn't even consider it. And, and this actually reduces cost, doesn't it? It does, and it's the, um, it's one effect, it's one outcome of the cloud, cloud-based thinking, you know, the cloud is, is uh, has affected uh, how we do business in really remarkable ways and in very short order. And I think this is just the next step in this cloud journey, right? It, uh, and now we have ways to accelerate cloud adoption, cloud migration, again, back to my very first point, by enabling a better level of confidence and therefore experience in these application uh, access opportunities. When a federal IT professional is looking at applying zero trust, are there concepts that they kind of leave out? And can someone like you look at that and say, uh, maybe do some kind of a gap analysis and say, oh, you forgot X, Y, and Z? Where are the, where the, uh, the holes in the arguments? Yeah, so uh, here, here's what I tell you. Uh, we are going from concept to reality in zero trust. And there are certainly gaps that, that need to be closed. Uh, compliance and, and regulation and accreditation and FedRAMP, all those things we need to still pay attention to. And so those are important steps that uh, investments have to be made. And, and they're being made, Akamai is making more FedRAMP investment. But zero trust is happening now. It's happening this year. Uh, from an Akamai perspective, it's an application platform-based, identity-aware uh, uh, opportunity that's, that's real. I'd like to thank today's guest, Randy Wood, Vice President, U.S. Public Sector Sales, Akamai. I'm your moderator, John Gilroy, and you're listening to Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Zero Trust.
Thank you for listening to Federal Insights Zero Trust from Theory to Reality, sponsored by Akamai on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. The entire program can be found on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com. Search Zero Trust.